Good afternoon, Mrs. Sterling. Um, I hope you don't mind if uh, I continue with the decorating. The Spring Festival means so much to the children. We did have an appointment for a conference. Mrs. Sterling, we had our conference for the quarter just last week. I would like to get these decorations up for the children. So if you don't mind, we'll talk as I work. I don't mind. You're presenting the plaque at the PTA meeting tomorrow evening. That's right. You know that my daughter deserves this award. Your daughter's a wonderful student. So is Eduardo Melendez. Are his grades as good as Jessica Ann's? You know, actually, Mrs. Sterling, that's none of your business. Neither is how I arrive at who the year's outstanding student is. Really? Really. Eduardo faces obstacles that your daughter does not. You know, when someone like Eduardo excels, it's important that he receive recognition. Because he's a Mexican? You're punishing my daughter because she's white and comes from a good family. Oh, well, now, I, I don't look at it that way. When a person of color, like Eduardo, You're not going to give this award to Jessica Ann, are you? It's been decided. There's no name on the plaque. It's not too late for you to do the right thing. It is too late! What are you teaching your daughter with behavior like this as an example? Well, what are you teaching her? By taking something that's rightfully hers and giving it to somebody just because he's a person of color. Oh. I have nothing more to say to you, Mrs. Sterling. Good afternoon. Hey everybody, this is Brandon Ford and welcome to another edition of the Blind Rage Podcast. This week we are doing Mommy from 1995, starring the original Bad Seed herself, Patty McCormick, Rachel Lemieux, Jason Miller, and Bring Stevens. And uh, for those of you who used to listen to my B-Movie Bonanza 
podcast which I posted on YouTube some years back, a podcast which I reference quite regularly for some odd reason. Oftentimes, I would record when I couldn't sleep. So I'd be, I'm a troubled sleeper anyways, I've said so many times before. I'd spend however long tossing and turning, punching pillows, and realize that it just wasn't going to happen. And so I would just get up, I would go sit at my computer with the voice recorder, and I would pick a movie, and I would just start bullshitting. Um, with nothing prepared, no notes, nothing. And because I was sleepy, because I was punchy, due to the Tylenol PM, I think some of those recordings made for some entertaining listening. Or maybe some of them did not. I don't know. It's all in the ear of the beholder, as I so often say. By the way, it's raining here tonight in South Philly, so you might hear some some of that in the background. Um... I just want you all to know that I am well aware of some of my previous commentaries not sounding so good. And by not sounding so good, I mean that the movie audio eclipses my commentary. And there isn't really a sense of consistency among the episodes of the podcast. And that is not my fault, not something that I'm happy with, and not something that I would leave as is if I felt I had any choice. But unfortunately, I don't because I use Anchor to uh, upload the podcast and get it out there on the podcasting platforms. I um so what I would do for the earlier episodes, I've since stopped doing the recordings this way because I was really unhappy with the way things were turning out with the like I said with the inconsistencies and uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 stand out as probably the biggest offenders out of my list of commentaries thus far because they are so bad and I am barely heard. And in House of a Thousand Corpses, there are moments where the audio drops and rises, drops and rises. And it's very distracting, and it probably makes for poor listening. And it wouldn't surprise me if somebody happened upon the podcast and decided to check one or both of those episodes out first, decided that the show was garbage, and kept on cruising, as Pauly sure says in Encino Men. Uh, and so tonight, I went back into Anchor my anchor app on my phone and I was going to just remove the background audio of the movie and leave just my commentary so I mean it's better it would be better that way it's not the way that I would prefer it I like to have the movie audio in the background I didn't do it with blind 
I didn't do it with B-Movie Bonanza, but I did want to do it with Blind Rage. I think it works better to have some audio in the background so I don't sound so, so lonely and like such a fucking loser. Um, but yeah, I was going to do that, but unfortunately, I couldn't figure it out. Much like many applications and programs um, these days... But then again, nobody ever said visually impaired. Being visually impaired was easy. So, yeah. Um, anyway, on to greener pastures, I guess. I want to encourage you all, as always, to um, visit my Amazon author page by going to Amazon.com or opening the Amazon app on your phone, hitting the drop down to books, typing in Brandon Ford, and you will get or you will see some of my titles and hopefully my author page will come up. The same can be said for the Audible, Audible.com and the Audible app. Just type in Brandon Ford and I have several titles available for download there. If you want to reach out for any questions comments concerns critiques criticisms recommendations anything or if you just want to say hi you can reach me at blindragepod81 at gmail.com and i didn't notice until a more recent episode of the podcast that i really haven't been leaving my instagram that much I don't know why, but it's been slipping my mind. But yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, feel free to do so at writer Brandon Ford, all one word. And I think that, oh, there was something that I was thinking about doing for future episodes of the podcast. But right now I'm so fucking backlogged that I don't know when I will return to a sense of normality and get everything up that is in the can. So, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to start doing this, but I think this is an idea that I stole from somebody else, probably is, but I thought it would be a pretty interesting or fun or cool or whatever idea to maybe encourage um i was gonna i was starting out with a list but i thought one would do um to encourage listeners to check out a specific horror movie per episode um maybe for what whatever reason i decide not to do a commentary dedicated to this movie and so yeah Please do check it out. I don't know. I I don't know. I did was doing something along those lines with my little mini reviews at the beginning of every episode. But I haven't been watching a whole lot of movies as of late. So there really hasn't been any movie reviews to speak of. But who knows? Perhaps I will do that. Check this movie out soon thing. But in the meantime, we are watching Mommy, and I am watching the, what is it, the fucking, I don't know, Rowan Brothers or something, DVD, 
that I've had for 20 fucking years. And um, I'm going to do a 3, 2, 1 count. And then we're going to hit play. Hopefully this will start when I want it to. Because I've had the movie paused at the black screen for the duration of this introduction. And I think my screensaver on my blu-ray player might have gone up so let's pray all right so if you want to watch along uh mommy is on youtube as is its sequel i don't think there's a blu-ray release i would assume that the dvd is pretty pricey so because it's it's an old one and i don't think it's uh readily available um at least reasonably not reasonably priced so when i head over to youtube i don't know if there's commercials or ads or whatever but that's where you can find it that's where i know you can find it because that's where i've seen it anyway so let's get into it i'm gonna do three two one go for play and then we're gonna start so here we go three two one go did that work of course it didn't. Of course it didn't. So let's do that again. Three, two, one, go. I don't think that worked either. Fuck. And I'm not starting this over again. So we're just going to have to do this again until it works. Three, two, one, go. Okay, I think we're, I think... I think that worked. And the rain is starting to pelt even harder. This is going to be one of my biggest flubs that might end up in the can. Who the fuck knows? I don't think I did it right. Oh, fuck me. Wait, is it? Hold on. I think it's starting. Something is happening on the screen and I can't see what it is. This is so fucked up. Oh my god. And I know a lot of people don't think I'm anywhere near as funny as I think I am, so... Okay, yeah, that was right the whole time. Are we about to hear the theme? That god-awful theme? If I, as soon as I hear the theme, then I'll be comfortable. Oh, oh, there's a bus. The school bus. Ah, school bell. There's kids. There's that god-awful theme. So, yeah, that did work. So, <laughs> I hope you pressed play at the exact same time that I did. Um... So yeah, this is Mommy from 1995, like I said, starring Patty McCormick, who is only credited as Mommy. Her character doesn't have a name. And there has been some speculation that writer-director Max Allen Collins, being the big fan of Patty McCormick and of The Bad Seed, that this movie was meant to be an unofficial sequel, you know, um, 
wrote a pen mark all grown up, so to speak. Um, which I, uh, um, the bad seed is a classic piece of filmmaking. Mommy, not so much. And this is a movie I like purely on a so bad it's good basis. Um, but I just want to say first off the bat that, yeah, Max Allen Collins, who has a very industrious career as author of many a comic. No, I don't read comic books. So, yeah, it, it's a da, 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 da. what do they call it? A comic novel? That, that's not the right term. He writes comic books. He wrote Dick Tracy, and he wrote some Batman, and he wrote a lot of detective books, and he wrote some true crime. He's a very accomplished author. And a playwright, too. He produced a play that I got, I believe, got some attention. And he wrote Mommy and Mommy 2, Mommy's Day. Um... I believe he also, well, he must have written a collection of short stories because this was actually based on a short story. And the short story is very similar in that it follows the movie very closely, except that there are some things missing. I don't think that there is the whole... Um, subplot with the detective and perhaps the Mark character who turns out to be an insurance investigator. I don't think that subplot was there. I think that it mainly focused the short story that is. I think it mainly focused on Mommy, Jessica Ann, and Aunt Beth. I think. Um... As far, I just want to say this, as far as the acting goes, it's pretty mediocre. Patty McCormick, I think, is the strongest player in the ensemble, and I don't think that many would disagree. But I also think, and please forgive me, Star Trek fans, I know that I'm, that I'm totally committing a sacrilege here, but I don't know the name of the actress who is playing Mrs. Withers, but she is from Star Trek. Which incarnation of Star Trek? I don't know because I've never seen it. But she is also one of the strongest performers in the in the cast. And it's unfortunately for for her and for the movie, she's only in this one scene. But I think the scene works very well i think she and patty play off each other very well and um especially when things get heated and mrs withers tries to show mommy the error of her ways and stress the importance of this little boy who is Hispanic and um, is being given the plaque for student of the year, which 
which uh, mommy believes belongs to her daughter, Jessica Ann. And Mrs. Withers makes some very good points in that when someone like Eduardo, who has been struggling for a long time with school, doesn't come from an affluent family, doesn't live in the suburbs, um, and it's important for when someone, when a child like him succeeds that his accomplishments be recognized and mommy doesn't seem to understand that and she tends to believe that Jessica Ann is being punished because she's white and because she comes from a good family and that Jessica, just because Jessica Ann's Oh, this is so cheesy and stupid. And I know they try to explain... Hold on. I know they try to explain away um, Mommy snapping Mrs. Withers' neck later. Not very far um, into the film, too. Not very far after this. But they try to explain away um, the fact that she was able to snap Mrs. Withers' neck by showing her how by showing how easily she opens a jar of strawberry compote so she supposedly has superhuman strength in her hands um which i don't buy but yeah this was based on a short story by max allen collins who again like i said wrote the screenplay and stayed pretty true i don't I don't know if, I don't, I think Jessica Ann's, uh, the, I think that, well, Max Allen Collins, hold on, Max Allen Collins said in the commentary that this is, uh, Patty's delivery of the line that just passed when Jessica Ann asks what happened to Mrs. Withers, or she says, you make it sound like dot, dot, dot. And mommy says, dead. Yeah, she's dead, dear. I think she might have broken her neck. And she just gives this look like, I don't, whatever. Ugh, this doesn't concern me. Um, but yes, I think Patty is a very credible actress. And definitely, this is below her, I think. I mean, she... She was nominated or won an Oscar for the bad seed or I don't I don't know, but she's an accomplished actress. She does very well um, with the material she's provided, which isn't great. And yeah, she does she's very she's very good. And um like I said, I keep coming back to the short story because I can't finish my thought. But like I said, the short story is very, is well, is not so different. But it's different in that it is a little less complex because there aren't as many characters or subplots. So, but I think, I can't swear by it because it's been a while since I've read the story. But I think that Jessica Ann, the story is told from either Jessica Ann's perspective or her point of view. Um, 
So we're going to have Jason Miller come up in a few seconds. Jason Miller of The Exorcist, who, which was made, um, like what, under 25 years before, there he is, under 25 years before this, what was it, like 72, 73-ish, and he did not age well at all. And I honestly didn't recognize him uh, <laughs> because he's very, very craggy, very decrepit, and uh, just an eyesore of a man. <laughs> Max, I have to say, was very pleased with himself with that line. And I always liked it until I heard in the commentary just how pleased with himself he was. But um, just before Mommy leaves the room after being interrogated by Jason Miller's character, who is, what is he, the fucking um, chief of police or something? But uh, she says... Um, you have my name, my number. And he looks at her and he says, oh, yeah, I got your number. And, uh, yeah, it was a clever line, but I didn't like Max patting himself on the back. And we're about to come up on uh, the introduction of Brink Stevens. Oh, God. I, I really... I really don't like to trash people unless they deserve it. Let me just say that. Case in point, Murder Set Pieces or the Rob Zombie commentary that I did. But with Brink, she seems, she seems very nice. I've never met her. I've, I know people who've met her at commentary... Um, at conventions she's very personable she's very nice she appreciates her fans she's dedicated to the horror genre which i think is all fantastic being a devoted horror fanboy myself however having said all that she is a terrible terrible actress and obviously a lot of people disagree with me because I hear left and right how wonderful she is and how, you know, because she's worked so consistently over the past 40 years because of her talent. And I, I, I did think it was interesting, though, that in the trailer for this movie, when they run down or when the voiceover runs down the list of actors in the film, he says, um, he gives accolades to Patty and Jason Miller, and um, I think Mickey Spillane, and a couple of, maybe one or two others, I don't know. I think, I think he mentions Rachel Lemieux, who plays Jessica Ann. She won some sort of Best Actress Award at a local like screening of the film she didn't win an oscar she didn't even win a uh what are they called the young performer 
uh, young, I don't, uh, uh, yeah, fuck, I'm so unprepared, um, but they have those award ceremonies for child actors, you know, best young performer or whatever, she didn't win any of that stuff, she just won something because she was a small town child who got cast in a movie that was seen by a few people, and I think that she probably didn't have a whole lot of competition and um she's painful i'm sorry to say she's painful too brink is painful but wooden performances are all i expect from a brink stevens movie and with child actors it's always a toss a a, a toss up i almost said toss up that was like a a boston accent coming out of me it's a toss-up and max seems to think that rachel shined like the brightest star boy and wow no 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 no. it's not good it's not good brink's not good and like i was saying in the commercial in the trailer they run down the the accolades or the achievements or the successes of the actors but when they run go to brink because this was i think her first if not one of her first non-scream queen type roles a movie where she didn't have to disrobe and all the voiceover says is something like and brink stevens like you've never seen her before or something like that and i guess like you've never seen her before means with her clothes on so but i believe she got the role because she was friendly with max allen collins as is mickey spillane or mickey spillane was before he passed away and he and max collaborated on some comic books and such together so um jason miller i don't think I, I don't know. I don't remember how he got cast. But Rachel Lemieux, I think, just got a... Uh, just went to a cattle call or something. I don't know. And this is a very small town where this was filmed. and I Or it, it was partially a small town. Uh, I believe it was split in two different towns. One of which was Max Ellen Collins' hometown. So, this chocolate cake that they show looks fucking amazing. And this is this is one thing that annoys me too about this movie and movies in general or or television shows in general, where they have a very average looking middle-aged young man or or man rather a very average middle-aged man he generally has a beard like the mark character does and this actor i can't whose name i can't recall only that he was in the frank darabont adaptation of stephen king's short story the woman in the room which i have not seen but i will say the woman in the room is 
for sure one of Stephen King's best short stories of all time. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend reading it immediately. It's in the Night Shift uh, book, the Night Shift collection. Um, but yeah, he was in that. But yeah, there's a lot of movies and television shows where it's generally women. They make a big hullabaloo over men who really aren't much to look at. Not that Mark or the actor who plays Mark is an unattractive man. He's not. Um, he's, But he's also not anything to blow your top over, so to speak. He's just an average-looking guy. Oof. So... But Brink, uh, but when uh, Patty, uh, Mommy, says, you know, I have chocolate cake downstairs, and Mark is here, and um, Brink has a line, says, Brink has a line, and says, um, Mark and chocolate cake, that's a combo few girls could pass up. All right, whatever you say. And this is introduced here. With Fitch, with Brink's character, uh, Beth, being allergic to chocolate, and Mommy hands her the, a big slice of chocolate cake, and then, um, because she, she's giving out cake and ice cream, like we're at a first, uh, 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 a first grader's birthday party, but they're having cake and ice cream after a uh, the death of a teacher, by the way. Um, you're allergic to chocolate. Yeah, you're allergic to chocolate. Jessica Ann's teacher. So they're having a big, you know, gathering with uh, cake and and ice cream and blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, Mommy hands Beth the chocolate cake and Beth puts it aside and says, I think I'll just have the ice cream. So you think... Or, you know, uh, you would think that there would be some sort of confrontation or conflict later in the film where Mommy and Beth turn against each other and Mommy uses the allergy to chocolate against Beth. She just cracked open the uh, Sharpie compote jar. Um... But yeah, that she would use it against Beth, but it but she doesn't. It never it it never comes into play again. It's never mentioned. So it was there purely just to be there, or to show how calculating and uh, unsympathetic mommy is to her own sister to give her a big hot big hunk of chocolate cake knowing that she's allergic to chocolate even though she claims moments later that she forgot and that's not something that you forget especially with a sibling who you've grown up with oh there's Sarah Jane Miller who is also a terrible actress also a terrible actress but an actress that Max um, 
sang the praises of in his commentary how fabulous she was and how great she is in the sequel. She, she comes back. Her character dies in this one and she comes back in the sequel as the twin sister of the character who died in this one. And she was actually supposed to be Mrs. Withers, supposedly, Sarah Jane Miller. And, um... She's too young. She's way too fucking young to be the teacher. So I don't even know why that was considered. To see her, especially in that scene, I wish I could remember her name because she is one of the better actresses in the movie, but the Star Trek um, performer, if I could, if, you know, you could see Sarah Jane Miller in that role, you would, it would not, it would make this movie worse than it actually was actually already is um generally i like to i'd like to talk about how i first happened to cross mommy and generally i do that in the beginning but i started spouting off of the mouth pretty early on and and i was in panic mode because the movie wasn't starting so i guess we'll start it now and by the way if i was a professional and knew how to use editing software that whole blunder would be removed but i'm not and i still can't use audacity because nobody will teach me and i can't figure anything out online that is not technical jargon but anywho first all mommy let's see um I'd heard about it. I'd heard about it, I believe, in video guides. And these, I, I had a video guide that I, that I, uh, I had, he doesn't even, this Jason Miller here on the screen, he doesn't even sound like he does in, in The Exorcist at all i mean like he just sounds like this crackly old man and i don't remember him being that old in the exorcist but in the 90s i my go-to video guide was the video hounds golden movie retriever which i wonder if they still make but they used to have a new one every year and I loved it. It it was it was a book that I would spend hours just looking up reviews. They always hated the movies that I held dear, but so do most movie guides and reviewers. So I really didn't take it seriously. But yeah, like I said, this came the 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 book I got from a book club and. I was I would flip through it because it it not only had a very very expansive list of films in it that most video guides didn't it also had uh, sections in the back dedicated to other films that the actors listed in the book have been in um and it also had a yeah, that was really bad that line the delivery of that line i think 
Rachel Lemieux thought she nailed it. I think Max Allen Collins thought she nailed it. I think it was not good. And I think that the way she had her hand resting on the desk when she delivered that line ruined any chance of it being any good. And I feel t terrible saying this because it's a child. But I'm sorry. She's not. She's she's she has no talent and she shouldn't have been cast um so yeah i would look at the subgenres in the back of the book um and there would be many and i believe that's how i come i came across mommy and mommy 2 and when i looked at the the uh, the film's synopses both the synopses for both the films I thought they sounded really interesting and they were movies that I wanted to see for several years. And I didn't get to see until August. I want to get the date right. August 20th, I believe. I'm almost positive. August 20th, 2002. And I know this because... That was the day that the Sleepaway Camp Survival kit, kit was released on DVD. Something that me and pretty much every hardcore Sleepaway Camp fan had been looking forward to all summer long. And I was very surprised that there was even an ad for it in the Best Buy. Because Best Buy, I had to get it at Best Buy because Best Buy was the only... Uh, retailer that carried the edition with the bonus disc with the production footage of the god-awful sleepaway camp for the survivor which i'd never seen but of course i wanted the disc and i had to convince somebody to take me all the way to jersey to get it because we didn't have a best buy down here in south philly at the time so yeah i was surprised to see that the move the the release of the set was listed in the circular that was included with the sunday paper because it was on sale and so was the unrated version of the sweetest thing with cameron diaz christina applegate and selma blair which was a movie i saw in theaters earlier that spring or summer and really enjoyed and planned on picking up as well so i get my box my sleepaway camp box set i get the sweetest thing perusing the aisles of in the horror section i come across mommy come across mommy two both of them 10 bucks and i figured you know 10 bucks not that much I've blind bought a lot of DVDs and a lot of them I ended up giving away. Uh, but I remember watching them both at the same on the same night. I had a double feature with Mommy and Mommy too. I liked, like I said, I liked Mommy on a strictly so bad it's good level. Um, and then I watched Mommy too, which isn't. is more so bad it's bad but but i just want to say this um 
Sarah Jane Sarah Jane Miller's character who's a janitor saw something. She knows something. And um I, f- I fucking talked over it. But there's a line where... Because um, we're at the scene now where Mommy goes to the school after hours to confront the janitor and to kill her. And there's a scene, too, I believe right before this, where she's sitting on a swing in the playground outside the school. She's trying to work up the nerve to commit... What is it? it, it two murders in two days so she's trying to commit uh work up the nerve to commit the murder and think of what she's going to do or how she's going to do it and she ends up executing her but um before before they have their confrontation or what when they have their confrontation rather um mommy uh something about you were bothering my daughter and Sarah Jane's character she doesn't come right out and say that she knows something but oh yeah she does because she says something about it would be quite the scandal to see a fine lady like you make the um what section of the paper I don't remember uh oh no she says something like You'll make the paper, but it won't be the, the, um, I don't remember, the social something or other section. So, I don't know, social life, fucking whatever. But, and she calls her a fine lady. Sarah Jane's character calls mommy a fine lady twice. But both times she says it wrong. And the second time more than the first. When she calls her a fine lady, she's supposed to be saying, you know, you are a well-to-do, well-dressed, financially stable woman who comes from, who lives in an affluent neighborhood, who has a good family, you know, all that, all that, um middle american uh american dream suburbia type stuff you know and um sarah jane's character knows that that's the kind of reputation that mommy has but so she says um she says something like uh uh when she first says it she says um yeah, it would, it would be interesting um, to see you hit the page. I don't know, fucking know. But when she says fine lady, she goes, fine lady, like you. And it sounds like she's coming up, coming on to her. And then um, she's trying, she's, she's uh, trying to get a bribe. And um, she's like twirling around on the mop, I guess, to see if anybody overhears. And the scene goes on way too long, by the way, FYI, sidebar. But she says to Mommy, I know you didn't do nothing. Fine lady like you. But it, she hits that fine lady. 
like twice as hard the second time. And it really sounds like she wants to munch that box. She's not calling her a fine, upstanding pillar of society a good citizen. She's saying you're a f- milf, basically, is what she's saying. By the way, she's saying the word fine. And uh, yeah, I would have, if Max Allen Collins had been more of a director, I would have been, uh, I would have changed that. But anyway, back to Best Buy. Yeah, I, I, well, I finished the whole story. I got those four, four things. I got the Sleepaway Camp set. I got The Sweetest Thing, which I still love. And I got Mommy and Mommy too. And to be perfectly honest, I think that, well, the short story is not supposed to be funny. The short story is not tongue-in-cheek it's not quirky it's a straightforward mystery pretty much and i think that there is a lot of unintentional humor in this movie some parts are laugh out loud funny but not in the i'm like we're laughing with you but we're laughing at you Especially when, you know, there's theme, there's things like um, when Mommy breaks through the door and it's a very Jack Nicholson, The Shining moment. And there's the ghost of Mark who appears to Jessica Ann to try to convince her to go to the police and and on and on and on. And but then um, but then um interwoven with these scenes are some very serious moments so the tone is all over the fucking place and now sarah jane is getting executed she gets pushed i guess into the circuit breaker or something like that but the tone is all over the place and i think max saw this or somebody might have said to them you made a really good dark comedy or something and I don't even think in the trailer it suggests that the film is meant to be a dark comedy I believe that the trailer suggests that it's supposed to be a thriller it's not a horror movie but it and it's not necessarily a, a mystery because you know mommy is off a rocker pretty much from the very first scene when she appears after the school bus drives off she's standing behind it which was i will say is a really good introduction to her um because she's standing there very menacingly holding her purse but i do i honestly think that max is um doing a tommy wiseau (laughs) pretty much a tommy wiseau before there even was a tommy wiseau because um there's one part or one moment in the commentary when there is a ridiculous there's a ridiculous moment in the film and um he says something along the lines of how could you not recognize this as a dark comedy which leads me to believe that I'm not the only one who sees this movie as a poor attempt at a thriller uh 
a poor attempt at a thriller that came across as more of um amateur filmmaking i can't i can't tell if this is shot on film or dv i don't know but it looks very much like a soap opera especially with the lighting in certain scenes especially with the lighting in the living room scenes and the lighting in uh, jessica ann's bedroom that that right there i wanted to talk about that but um max this is another bad actress that max insisted upon giving uh, uh uh kudos to undeserved kudos at that but the teacher or the substitute teacher the teacher who is substituting for mrs withers is trying to get the class's attention uh, because uh, I think the principal or somebody comes in to tell the class about the accident of the uh, janitor played by Sarah Jane Miller. Um, but the class is being a little rowdy and she goes, she says, um, class, please settle down or something like that. And they're not listening. And she immediately, like, basically has a nervous breakdown and goes, class, please. And it's so fucking comical and off the wall and it, it's it, it was not a good good choice for uh, that moment and um but yeah once again max sings her praises in the commentary and says for you know having such a small role she did very well and she, he really liked her delivery of that line in her attempt at trying to settle down the class and i don't know part of me wonders if he is unable to oh god wait a minute. i don't, I don't want to say this yet um he uh what was i saying he Oh yeah, by by complimenting all of these bad performances, and because he doesn't really say much, I don't think about Patty Patty McCormick. Um, I think, and I think that's because he really doesn't need to. Oh, in this scene here, um, Max, I believe it's Max, gave uh, Rachel a. Uh, a little pat on the back because she took it upon herself to look at her watch right before she asks Beth if she can watch a TV show, which was apparently about to start. Okay. She looked at her watch. Yeah, give the kid an Oscar. Um, and yeah, now we're in... I don't even know what the fuck this is supposed to be. It's like some sort of nightclub for the middle-aged. Where middle-aged couples can dance to live music. Live music, which by the way, is performed and produced by Max Allen Collins' band. Which is called Cruisin'. 
That's I-N apostrophe Cruzen. And I think he's the lead singer. I'm not sure. But either way, the, the music is awful. And whoever was singing is not good. And there's a song that plays in this, uh, this whatever this is, in a bit after the slow dance called um, Moving On. And, oh, no, 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 there's another ballad that's just as bad. It's, it's all the music is bad. And, um, and, um, yeah, so I think that Max was probably trying to save face by complimenting all of the bad acting and trying to convince himself as well as other people that this was an intentional um black comedy here's oh no here's moving on yeah i think that's him singing and what is his with his look i don't know what he looks like these days but i know he makes frequent or i'm pretty sure he makes frequent or regular Appearances on TCM uh, to talk to do introductions for certain um, certain uh, certain films which have become uh, what do you call it um, pivotal pieces of uh, of cinema and um, gives the background on them or whatever. Um, but this, in the, oh, and by the way, getting back to the, um, oh, God. And getting back to the way the film is shot, I couldn't even tell you the fucking aspect ratio because it's so weird. I can't tell what it looks like on my widescreen TV, but... And I don't know if this is anamorphic. I would assume not. But it is printed on the di uh, the sleeve that's widescreen. And when I first saw it, it was on one of those big, you know, box TVs that was full frame. And there, the when, for those of you who remember, and it pains me. Oh, God, more bad singing. And it pains me to remember that there is a good chance that there are people out there listening who don't know what it was like not to have a widescreen TV. But just in case you're listening... Oh, here's the other god-awful song. Um, but for those of you who are listening who don't know what it was like to have a, a widescreen TV, TVs... <laughs> Up until the past, all TVs, up until the past like 15 years or so, were more square shaped. And when DVD, and when DVD started coming out that were the widescreen theatrical versions of the film, in order to preserve that aspect ratio, there were black bars at the top and the bottom of the screen. So, yeah, so that the movie could be seen the way it was presented on a big screen. And when I watched this on my TV, or a couple of TVs, that had that 
or that were, you know, full frame TVs, of course, the black bars are so tiny, they're almost invisible. So I don't even know if this could be considered widescreen. I wonder what it looks like um, on a widescreen TV that is in widescreen mode. I don't know. Um, I should have looked. I wonder if the aspect ratio is even listed in the um, the product details for the DVD on Amazon. You, it generally is, but not always. I could have looked, but I'll try to take some screen caps of the movie when I post the information about the commentary on my on my Instagram. Okay, this we're about to come up on a scene that's very, very dark. And it... <laughs> this is something that has... The scene that's coming up is something that has absolutely no place in a dark comedy. And I'll just... You know, because I'm, I'm going to talk over it, so... I might as well just detail it for you. But... You know, Mark is getting, like I said, Mark is not Mark. Mar I forget what his, I don't even know what his real name is. I don't know if he says it. Or Jason Miller's character might say because they're in cahoots trying to, because they suspect that mommy has murdered her previous husbands for their insurance money. So they are paying Mark to pretend to be her significant other and he's spending the night and... Um, you know, playing the role of uh, the potential next husband. And he just got paged in the middle of the night while he was spending the night at Mommy's. And he went into the living room to return the call, and he was very angry, and he said, you know, don't be paging me this time of night while I'm here you're all gonna blow this blah 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 and we come to find that Jessica Ann has heard or has seen and that she knows and <laughs> what does Mark do he goes up to this little girl's room in his pajamas in the middle of the night which in itself was inappropriate he, he And he gets into bed with her, which is even more inappropriate. But yeah, not only that, but he tells her everything. He tells her all of his plans. He tells her who he really is, that his name is not really Mark Jeffries, that he is investigating her mother, and that there's a good chance that her mother, Jessica Ann's mother, could be a murderer. And if she is a murderer, then she's very sick and she must be stopped. And I think that he is trying to get Jessica Ann to switch sides, essentially. Um, I don't know how, but he, I guess it's supposed to, um... 
he's supposed to know or sense that Jessica Ann has been having the same thoughts about mommy for a while. And, you know, he says something like, if, if you feel similarly to what I'm saying, then you have to come forward, you know, to get her some help. It's what's it's what's what's best for her, and that's a pretty pretty big thing to ask of a little girl who's probably what is she ten eleven years old, um, to be to betray her mother, and to have her mother put away. Um, mm, I don't think so. Yeah, he's asking her now with your help. Uh, we can, yeah, we can fry the bitch, <laughs> basically. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. But, um, yeah, she needs to be stopped. She needs to be helped. Uh-oh, here you come. Because of the way it's done and the amateurish quality of it, I can totally understand people laughing at this scene only because of the way it's done. But the scene or the moment in the scene involves a mother shooting a man who is sitting in the edge of her daughter's bed. She commits a murder in front of her own child, kills somebody in her own child's bed. And you don't think this is going to scar this little girl for life? And by the way, we're supposed to be laughing. Because, you know, this is a dark comedy. And now it gets even more twisted because we're downstairs and we're in the living room and Mommy says to Jessica and we have to call the police now and um, I want you to forget everything that Mark told you and she basically says, without saying, that Mark did bad things to her um, in the bedroom. That he raped her, essentially. And um, saying this to this little girl, by the way. You know, she says, but she says he did bedroom things to mommy tonight. Do you understand? Here, she, here it is. Bedroom things. That I didn't want him to do, yeah. You do understand. Um, yeah, and again, all this is supposed to be played for laughs. What?
investigating the insurance company. She is good. I'm I mean, like I said, with this with this very low rent film and this the script that is subpar, she does manage a decent performance out of it. And um this little thing that they have with each other, with Mommy and Jessica Ann, where Mommy says, who's your best friend? And Jessica Ann says, you are Mommy. And Mommy says, who loves you more than anything on God's green earth? And Jessica Ann says, you do, Mommy. And that's supposed to be a play on something that is said in... Uh, the bad my feet the, the heel of my feet keeps brushing up against some something and I don't want you to think I'm farting I don't even know if you could hear it but yeah that's supposed to be a play on something or a reference to something that is in the bad seed and um, I think it's something like it's it's shorter it's like something like um what would you give me for a basket of kisses? One person says, and the other person says, I'd give you a basket of hugs. Some, something like that. And uh, in a few minutes, we're going to see some of the worst overacting <laughs> by Brink Stevens, who is generally very subdued and who talks without feeling her voice is always at a register about here whenever she says anything it's in a monotone she's totally incapable of speaking with feeling or emotion and when it does when she does it comes out as false but after this all happens with Mark being shot and killed in Jessica Ann's bed. Beth is Beth is called and comes to the rescue. I don't know what's going on here. I can't believe I remember this movie as as much as I do because it's really not a movie that I watch regularly or have watched a number of times. But there's a scene where, yeah, um, Beth comes over to, I guess, comfort Jessica Ann. And all Mommy wants to do is get rid of her. And she shoves her out the door, which is kind of comical, I will say. The way Mommy just pushes her out the fucking door. But, like, I think Beth was trying... I don't know exactly what Beth was trying to do. Like, it, what was she? Was she supposed to try to overhear something? Was she was she supposed to try to get to Jessica and and get Jessica Ann and get the real story about what happened that night with Mark? I don't know, but she was planning something, and when she doesn't succeed again, she shoved at the door. 
she does this really over-exaggerated gesture where she, like, you know, she, like, uh, how do I even describe it? Because it's so, it's so goofy. She just, like, like, drops her fists and, like, kind of kicks a little bit, like, in a damn kind of way. Like, I couldn't do what I was set out to do. Damn. And it's so exaggerated and so unrealistic. And, of course, it's something that Max compliments in the commentary. Oh, God. I have to say this. (laughs) I bet the chairs. They're dining room chairs... And they have trees carved in them. And the trees look very much like Christmas trees. Or the shape of Christmas trees. There's no, you know, jingle bell or Christmas balls or stars or anything on top of it. But just the way, just the the kind of trees that are carved into the wood. It, they look like Christmas chairs to me. Oh wait, hold on. We appreciate your concern, but we've been through a lot of tragedy together, Jessica. And we will get through tonight just fine. Won't we, dear? Yeah, Beth is trying to stay, or she's trying to take Jessica Ann home with her. And mommy, of course, having none of it. Yeah, she pushes her out the door, I think, here. And slams it. Oh, God. I just... We didn't get there yet. But we do... But when we get to the... um, When we get to the hotel... Or the motel, the sleazy no-tell motel that they have, that they're forced to stop in. Um, when mommy breaks down the door or breaks through the door, it was so over the top that I, could, I remember I couldn't help but laughing, but laughing in the what the fuck kind of way. Not that not the oh my god this is so funny this is so silly kind of way um but yeah what i i don't know if i made this point already because i'm 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 fading and i'm trying to hold on until the end credits but um there's mickey spillane um he plays her attorney. Uh, what was I saying? Um, yeah, I think that um, because so many people assumed that this was a comedy because of its sheer ridiculousness, um, and many of those people more than likely approached Max and said, I really enjoyed your dark comedy movie, uh, Mommy, or whatever. And he began to realize that so many people were seeing it as a dark comedy because of its unintentional humor that he really tried to play up the humor in Mommy 2. Uh, 
and it's it, it it's for sure in your face it's it's overt it's absurd and in trying to be dark and bleak um with this film and as ridiculous as it looks and feels and is it it can be said just it, the same thing can be said for mommy too with the sheer ridiculousness of um max trying to find some comedic elements and to try to just make it funny to try to make the humor um as in your face as he tried to make the darker nature of this story in the in the original i really hope i'm getting my point across cuz i don't even know what the fuck i'm saying anymore and now they're leaving Yeah, she took the plaque. I forgot to mention that. She took the plaque. And... Oh, and by the way, there was a cut of this film that did not have Jessica Ann's voiceover. And supposedly, adding this brilliant piece of voiceover helped enhance the film. Oh, all right. Whatever you say. Um, so I believe, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Max Allen Collins only made three, three features. He made Mommy, Mommy 2, and Real Time, colon, Siege at Johnson Market or some, something like that, which was released by Trauma and was not a good movie. And it was i believe released in the late 90s or may might have been 2000 something i think it might have been 2000 and it when i don't know if you know many of you remember this but one of the many selling points of dvds and dvd players when they were first introduced was not only the crisp, clear quality that you'd never seen on VHS tapes before and the special features that had never been released before, um, except on perhaps some Laserdiscs. By the way, this is all, uh, I believe, taken straight from a Laserdisc. This, this transfer, the extras, the commentary, everything. Um... But yeah, and not everything was available on Laserdisc at the time. But And one thing that Laserdisc did not allow or afford you as the viewer of the, whatever the content was, was the multi-angle feature. And that, I think, was more aimed at porn 
And even then, it wasn't anything um, grandiose. I mean, you could... I, I don't think I've ever even seen a, a, a porn film on DVD that had the multi-angle feature. But that was supposed to be a big selling point. And um, Max decided to make a feature called real time that was actually shot in real time it's real time not like r-e-e-l it's not a pun but it was shot in real time and it was took place at a convenience or a supermarket that was under siege by some you know robbers and um the whole thing is shown i believe i saw it once it was terrible the whole thing, the whole thing, I believe, is seen from, I think, four security cameras, and so the screen is split in fours, and you can have the opportunity to watch the movie in whichever angle you choose either one of the top two or one of the bottom two and if you didn't choose one which i didn't because i don't even think i cared um it would switch on its own like you know um one the image would enlarge so it was it was kind of like looking at a watching a movie on security cameras but at certain points in the movie, the picture would enlarge, so you wouldn't have to watch it through such a small screen. It um, that became something sort of similar in movies like um, Unfriended, which were shot uh, through a webcams and shit. It's uh supposed to be different it's supposed to and i remember how proud he was i just i totally forgot about this but i remember how proud he was in uh the special features of the real-time disc which was released by trauma because he was saying you know that this was a a different way to tell a story cinematically and that this was this was the first one i believe he said and he anticipated more to follow i don't think any followed because i don't think anybody wanted to watch a movie like that um what is she brushing her teeth that was really fucking loud i don't think anybody wanted to watch a movie like that so yeah it didn't become a thing um, it's a really, really loud faucet. Mommy really believed that. Did she make herself believe that lie? 
Yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I can't I can't swear by it, but I'm pretty sure that the short story is told in first person perspective by Jessica Ann. Um And I believe it ends the same way. There's there's another scene that's coming up in a few minutes. Um, but uh, it's another scene that I think... <laughs> I think is meant... Is, is unintentionally funny. Um, but there's a scene when, you know... Uh, mommy cracks and realizes that she has to kill Jessica Ann in order to save herself. And, you know, Jessica Ann locks herself in the bathroom. We have that whole here's Johnny moment. And Jessica uh, escapes through the bathroom. And supposedly she... Um, I didn't notice it but because I don't notice stupid shit like that. But there's there's a moment in the in the uh, escape for Jessica Ann when she remembers to put her slippers on. I believe, yeah, I believe they mentioned it in the commentary. But she escaped at the window... And, um, <laughs> um, you know, she doesn't know where she's going. She doesn't know where she is. She's a little girl. Um, and mommy tracks her down very easily. And out of nowhere comes this dog. Wait. That was another really, really stupid moment that I had no business being. She's seeing the ghost of Mark telling her that her mother has to be stopped and she has to be helped. So stupid. Um, but what, yeah, the, the chase. Um, mommy tracks Jessica down and, um, a dog, a, uh, a watchdog, I believe it's a pit bull, um, I believe it comes out of nowhere, and mommy panics a little bit, and does what I think she thinks is the best thing to do for the sake of her daughter, and that's to push her, and she doesn't it's not like she pushes her out of the way of the dog charging. Because the dog's not charging. The dog is just standing there snarling. But mommy pushes her. And the way she pushes her, it's very clumsy and it looks awkward. And she goes, Jessica Ann goes out of frame. And I hope somebody caught her. But, um... But, uh, yeah, I don't, wouldn't that have just, by pushing the little girl to the ground, wouldn't that have made it a lot easier for the dog to attack? There's the, here's Johnny moment. Wouldn't that have made it a lot easier for the dog to attack her? Because she's in a much more vulnerable position now because she can't run away as easily or as quickly. Mm. 
come back here this instant. But speaking of the dog, there's a scene where the dog attacks mommy and bites her. And I don't know exactly what happens to it, but I don't think she kills the dog. But for some reason, the dog is finished with her because he's gone. I don't I don't know. But you see mommy's hand, bloody hand in the um, glass of a window that she's uh she's like reaching trying to reaching for capture trying to to get help or get away from the dog and her hand is all bloody and she's leaving bloody handprint on the glass and because of that stupid little moment they decided to they whoever by the rowing company i don't fucking know they decided to put an illustration a, a very small illustration by the way of a bloody hand on the back of the sleeve of both mommy and mommy too which you know a bloody hand by the way fyi another thing that does not scream black comedy it screams horror film, which this movie isn't, which this movie isn't either. This so, this, this score so does not sound like it's done by a real orchestra. It sounds like it's like composed and by like computers. And it's very, it's very paint by numbers, you know, um, type of suspense strings or the progression of strings that you hear in all kinds of thrillers. And once again, if, if Max was trying to make a dark comedy, I don't think he would have utilized this kind of music. Another thing I like to, though, which I don't think is funny, I just like it, when um, Jessica Ann slaps her, <laughs> she slaps her mother, and you know this little girl can't pack a punch, what is she, like three feet off the ground, 40 pounds soaking wet, if that, and um mommy takes that hit like she just fucking got struck by Tyson this is going on way too fucking long and I'm way too tired Just find the bitch already. There we go. 
Here's the dog. She says, shit, I think, I think I could be mistaken. I could be mistaken, but I think that's the only actual curse in this movie. I don't even think this is rated. And I believe it's not rated because they couldn't afford to get a rating by the MPAA. Again, I could be wrong. And now we're, you know, expected to believe that mommy is dead. She's killed by this dog. But then she has her, you know, her slasher movie Freddy Krueger type moment where you think it's all over. And of course she has to get back up and be like, oh no, we're not done yet. Which doesn't suit me very well because (laughs) I'm fucking tired. Oh, fuck me. I actually didn't want to do a feature tonight because I knew that if I did, there was a very... Okay, I don't like that line. Now do you see why I'd never let you have a dog? Okay, that line should have been something along the lines of, now do you see... Oh, she slapped her. Now do you see why I never let you have a pit bull? There are many, 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 many breeds of dog out there who are not of the attack dog variety. So I think that was just Max struggling with whatever line, with a line for her to do or to use to um, make her appearance. Oh yeah, choking a little girl. She's she's attempting to kill her now. And again, this this also screams black comedy, the murder of a child. Very humorous. But what I was saying is I didn't want to do a feature because I knew that there was a strong chance that I was going to start to fade probably less than halfway into it. Um I wanted to do a Tales from the Crypt episode because they're nice and short and sweet, but I couldn't find a suitable episode. I don't know, but it doesn't matter now because we're nearing the very end. Yeah, in this moment, too, when uh, Jason Miller's yeah, here's Beth. Of course, everybody's here. Everybody's come to save the day. Blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, that's fucking really convenient. But, um, but what was I saying? But the scene when um, Jason Miller's character, uh, the fucking sergeant or lieutenant, whatever the fuck he is, he wants to shoot mommy. And, you know, and he's, and he's going to fucking go to, was going to kill her right in front of her daughter, her very young daughter, who had already had somebody shot in front of her once within the past 24 hours or so. 
but yeah and then um jessica and leans up and touches his arm and you know pulls it down telling him no please don't do this blah 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 oh god um and he asks her oh this is so bad he asks her you know why couldn't you do it why couldn't you kill jessica and and she, her her reasoning was because in in for a minute in the moonlight she looked like me that's what that's what mommy says so you you couldn't kill your daughter because she resembled you and you're such a fucking narcissist that you couldn't kill yourself <laughs> i don't fucking know i don't i don't i don't whatever it really doesn't fucking matter and of course you got to hear the this max allen collins's god awful band cruising doing the end titles or during doing the music over the end titles with that fucking putrid moving on whatever it is that song at least it's not the ball the ballad that he sings at the club that would have been even worse shit all right, can we roll credits, please? Because I have a fucking headache. And why was that, please? What the hell was that? Why was that necessary at the end of that little uh, orchestral, not orchestral, that um, choir of children singing that stupid mom, mommy, mommy, whatever, fucking, I don't, I don't know. But I've come to find that I really don't like this movie. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. And I was bitching and moaning because I was... I was listening to a podcast earlier that was shitting all over a movie I really like. And, and laughing about it. And I was like, the stupid motherfuckers don't get this movie. And they're shitting all over shit they don't understand. And it's pissing me off. And well, I <laughs> I think I, I I understood this one pretty well because it's it's pretty straightforward. L listen to this awful music. This is so sad, and I'm not. I can't let this record until the end. Credits are done. But as always, I want to take this time to say thank you for joining me for these past. 90 minutes or so listening to me ramble on and please join me for another commentary on the blind rage podcast so until next time this is brandon ford wishing you all unpleasant dreams